Well, amen. Good morning, faith family. Hey, it's good to see all of you here. Can we just thank Miss Jess and the band for leading us so well in worship each week? grateful for them and I also want to just thank everybody uh, who participated in the back to school event yesterday we had an army of volunteers there so many of you who were not able to make the event you donated uh, backpacks and lunch boxes and it was just an incredible incredible day uh, to reach our Jerusalem so thank you so very much uh, for for your investment there we're going to be in Romans again today but we are only looking at one Bible passage so Romans chapter 8 we're going to look at verse 28 just one verse today um, we are going to be a little bit shorter at least the sermon part will and all God's people said hey, come on somebody all right anyway I, I appreciate your confidence in me but we are going to be a little bit shorter we uh, will have communion so you, hopefully you got one of these uh, if you wanted one when you came in if you did not there will be time at the end for you to get one We'll have communion, and then our chairman of deacons, Brother Joe, will have an announcement at the end of the service, so we're going to leave some space for that as well. Uh, but what we want to do before we dive into this one verse, Romans 8, 28, is spend time praying together. And what I want to pray for today is, is Hawaii. So many of you know in early August, a series of devastating wildfires broke out and uh, so much devastation has taken place uh, over there and because of because of your generosity we've been able to send ten thousand dollars to Baptist on mission which eventually made its way to the Hawaii Pacific Baptist disaster relief team uh, we just want to pray for those who are reeling with all of the devastation that has taken place and those that are uh, you know involved in the recovery efforts and things of that nature uh, so we want to spend a little bit of time praying for that and then we'll jump right into this verse the reason why corporate prayer matters so much is because the word tells us as we gather to pray together as a corporate body of believers we know the value the importance of prayer in our individual lives uh, the bible says to pray without ceasing but it's also critical that we come together and that we pray together so every head, head bowed every eye closed let's spend some time praying and we'll pray for hawaii and a couple other things pertaining to the service today god thank you Thank you for the opportunity we have to uh, come before you in prayer. God, I do thank you for the generosity of your people to be able to help with so many things throughout the year. Lord, that, uh, that, that would not happen without their generosity. So we, we thank you for that. And God, we pray for uh, those in the state of Hawaii who are just struggling. They're, they're dealing with the aftermath of everything that has taken place. Um, Lord, the recovery efforts, the rebuilding efforts, all the things that need to happen. We know that it's going to take a long time. Um, so God, help us to continue to be mindful in prayer and to look for opportunities to serve and to help. I thank you for teams like Baptist on Mission. I thank you for the Hawaii Pacific Baptist Disaster Relief and many other organizations who are boots on the ground just doing an incredible work there. Um, God, your word has taught us last week that even in moments when we're not quite sure how to articulate some of the, the deep things that are within our soul, how to pray for others that are going through such devastation. Lord, your word says that the spirit within us knows how to pray perfectly. And so we thank you for that. And we pray that way today. God, we do thank you for the back to school event. Thank you for all of the hard work that was put into that. God, so many um, on, our, on our staff that uh, poured in. And I think about uh, Miss Amy and Pastor Drew and their team and so many others who rolled up their sleeves to work so hard. And then the army of volunteers that were there serving selflessly and the impact uh, prayerfully that that's made in our community. God, we're grateful for that. God, thank you for today. 
I thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to open your word, uh, to sing praises unto you. God, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts in a manner of which only you can. Lord, that we'll leave this place encouraged by your word. Lord, ready to stand strong, ready to live for you. And we pray all of this in the powerful and mighty name of King Jesus and all God's people said, amen and amen. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know that life in general can be stormy? Yeah, life can be stormy, man. Sometimes life can even be devastating. The winds that blow against us, this thing called life, they can, they can hurt. And sometimes it feels like they can topple us over. As we look back at what Paul has already said in the book of Romans, we see that he speaks of our new standing with Christ and how important that is for us to understand this new creation that we are in Jesus. He also talks about the battle that we have between flesh and spirit, how our own flesh can ray, ray, kind of rear its ugly head and, and raise up against uh, the things that we want to do. We end up not doing those and the things that we don't want to do we end up doing those and Paul speaks of that in uh, in chapter 7 he also talks about how Jesus is our deliverer and how there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ he talks about what it means to be adopted as sons and daughters of the most high king and how the Holy Spirit of God is at work in our lives especially this is so good in our weaknesses well now hear this Romans 8, 28, in this potent, marvelous verse, Paul is teaching us that nothing, hear this, nothing can blow you over when you're inside the walls of Romans 8, 28. Now, outside of the walls of this text, we know that there is much confusion. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty, but the promise of this text shows us that nothing can blow us over when we're resting in the walls of the truth that we see in this passage. It is, it is a verse of fortification, if you will, uh, fortification of hope for those who are suffering. And it reminds us of God's purpose. It reminds us of God's intentionality. And it reminds us of God's love. So with that being said, if you're willing and able, please stand in honor of reading the word of God. Let's look at this powerful verse, Romans 8, 28. If you have found your place, we say amen. If you're excited to be here, we say amen. amen. If you're not, we say oh my. All right, come on, somebody. I was setting you up. I was just seeing if you're following me. So here we go. Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. May God bless the reading and proclamation of his word today. You may be seated. You know, we've read this verse, we've recited this verse, even in moments of dark days, we've had others who have quoted this verse to us. But the question remains, what makes this verse so beautiful? What makes this verse so good in our lives? Let me give you a couple of things just as takeaways as we try to exposit contextually what this verse is actually saying. Here's number one. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's not gonna be on the screen, but number one says this. God works for our good. All right, there's a pause here. God works for our good, but it may not always feel good. So God works for our good. It may not always feel good. It may not always feel pleasant. You see, Romans 8, 28 is a verse for us in difficult 
circumstances. And we read it during the pains of life. So if you've had a relational severance of some, some sort, maybe friendship, it could be marital, maybe a sudden loss of a job and now you're in financial strain and uh, mass confusion as to what to do next. Maybe a sickness that approached you quickly and, and you're just being impacted by this crazy sickness or the illness of a loved one that is, has you reeling and questioning and wondering what God is doing in the midst of that. Or maybe you've been shunned because of your faith in Christ. Others are pushing you away. And in all of these circumstances and the difficulties of life, we look at this verse, we must be very careful to interpret it rightly. And in interpreting this verse rightly, we have to conclude that this does not mean that our circumstances will always change. Sometimes we go through difficulties in life and the promise of God is not when you go through difficulties, if you pray, I'll make all your circumstances change. He has not promised a life of ease or a life of comfort, but he has promised that he will work it all together for our good, for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, when we think about the phrase, all things, we have to really think about this in terms of all things. Does that mean that God can take my mistakes from yesterday? Can God take the, the decisions that I made that were not wise from the past? Can God take the sins of my past that I've repented of? Can God even take those things in my life and somehow miraculously take the broken pieces of my life and create a beautiful mosaic out of it? Can God really do that? Well, the Bible says yes all things. But we must understand this verse is directly speaking to the infirmities and the sufferings of his people. So we have to be careful when reading this verse or quoting this verse, not to mislead ourselves or mislead others into believing that God is promising a comfortable existence. No, sometimes we are walking through the pain, but we must know God is at work in the midst of the pain for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. He promises that as we walk through difficulty, he will use those circumstances, those difficult roads that we are traveling, hear this, to help us to know him more intimately. He will use all of the struggle around us to help us to obey him more fully and to have our character molded even more so into the likeness of him. He can use every ounce of our struggle. Now, here's an important note. That does not mean that everything that happens to us in life is good. No, sometimes we know the hard that we go through in life is not good at all. The world can be unfair. The world can be brutal. The world can be shocking. And sometimes the world can even be demoralizing. Like it doesn't mean that we are to call the hard things that we go through good, nor are we to be uh, just kind of cavalier to the thought of other people going through suffering. We should do all that we can to alleviate the suffering. But what Paul is reminding us of today is that God always triumphs over suffering and brings victory out of them. And to that, we see the greater purpose and glory of God. So yes, God can bring healing. Yes, God can even change circumstances. But even when he doesn't, even when it doesn't feel good, we as believers have to trust that he is working it somehow for our good. Why? Because he is a redeeming God who can redeem any evil that befalls us. 
I remember Mr. Don very well. Mr. Don was a man that I met that was battling cancer and his words to me shocked me because it was the first time that I heard anyone say this and this was many years ago. He said to me, he said, you know, cancer has been in some ways a gift and I was like, wait a minute, Mr. Don. This is, this is hard for me to digest. This is hard for me to understand and he said, no, you know, theologically I, I understand that God is not the author of evil and ever since Genesis 3, which we, we just talked about this last week. In Genesis 1, God created everything and it was pristine. It was perfect. Genesis 3, sin entered. All of the world is broken. We experience all kinds of crazy things like sickness and hurricanes and tornadoes, all kinds of stuff because of all of creation being marred by sin. And he, he understood that God is not the author of any of that, but he simultaneously said that God used it to do something in him that could have only been done by God's hand at work. <laughs> he said, you know, it's one of those things where God redeemed the evil that befell me and he reframed my mind and reframed my heart and he used this cancer to do this. And I, I think about that type, of, that type of attitude and it bodes really well with what Paul is saying here. You see, Paul went through some really hard stuff being imprisoned and beaten and uh, all of the things. And he's able to say, God works it all together for his good, for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. That means God can take anything that we are facing and he can use it somehow. Here's, here's why, because he stands sovereign over our suffering. And I know some of you in here, you're going through a hard time. You're going through your own suffering. And, and I want you to know that, man, we would love to come alongside of you and pray for you. And our prayers will be our heart's desire that God would alleviate that suffering in your life. But our prayer would also be that God would use all that you go through to do a greater work that maybe you can't even see in the moment. So we know that God works for our good, but it doesn't always feel good. Here's the second thing. It's all about God's purpose, not necessarily our plans. This is for God's purpose in our life, not our purpose in our life. Now, I want to make this distinction as clear as I can. Sometimes we quote Romans 8.28 as this mystical phraseology where we can say, God, here is my plans, and I'm going to give them to you, and I want you to bless it because you work everything together for the good. This is what I want, and I'm going to mystically place it before you so that you can make my plans come true. But that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying that I have a purpose in your life, and you know what? My purpose for your life may be something that you don't even see in you right now. What I want from you is to surrender yourself to me. I want you to trust in my lordship, meaning that we can do nothing to make him lord. He is lord, but is he lord of our life? Am I submitting to him? Am I trusting him with his purpose and his plan for my life? You see, God is working all circumstances, not so our purpose for our lives can be fulfilled. That It's so that his purpose in our life could be fulfilled. And what is his purpose for our life? Well, his purpose in our life is that we would glorify him and enjoy him forever. First Corinthians 10 says in everything that we do, we should give glory to God, whether we eat, whether we drink, whatever it is, give glory to God. This is our purpose. And you have a purpose in this life and it is a God-given purpose. It's a really hard lesson to learn, this lesson of it's not all about me. It's a pretty cool acronym to remember. I used to write it down quite a bit. I NAM, I NAM. It's not about me. 
meaning that sometimes we can get so engulfed in chasing after what we want that we forget to surrender our life and say, God, how can I serve you with the years that you have given me? God, how can I be a part of what you have for me? It's a tough lesson to learn, but as Michael Kelly uh, rightly says, he says it's important to know that true fulfillment and joy in life come not in trying to get God to bless our plans for our lives, but instead finding our place in his, hear this, ongoing story of his own glory on the earth. So how are you submitting and surrendering to God's purpose and plan in your life so that you're part of the bigger picture so that you're a part of this grand story, this grand narrative. How can you say, God, use the gifts you've given me. Use the abilities you've given me. Use every ounce of my life to bring glory to you. God, here I am. Use me. Just as Isaiah said in Isaiah 6. You know, I think about Tim Tebow for some reason when I think about this particular point. Tim Tebow was an incredible quarterback at the University of Florida. I told you about Tim Tebow before. I mean, my wife, she had this dream. I've shared this with you one evening, and she said it was a nightmare. It was a night. I had this nightmare, and she woke up, and she said, honey, I had a nightmare. It was so bad. I said, well, what happened? She said, you and Tim Tebow were fighting over me. I was confused, man. I was like, well, what in the world's wrong with that? She said, well, you were winning. You know what I mean? So that's bad. It's not cool. But I think about Tim Tebow, and here's why. That was not a true story, by the way. Praise the Lord. But I think about... I think about Tim Tebow, you know, he was made fun of deeply when he was at the University of Florida for pursuing purity. And then after that, it took him a long time to get married and everyone picked on him for some of the stances that he made. If the flow is going this way, he's going against the flow culturally. I mean, it's the craziest thing that he's being picked on for purity. But if anyone interviewed Tim Tebow, here's what he'd say. All I want to be is an NFL quarterback. That's all I want to be. And so he pursued that. He chased that. I want to be an NFL quarterback, NFL quarterback. Well, it didn't work out, man. And then he's saying, well, I want to be a major league baseball player. I think that'll work out. It's been a childhood dream. I think it'll be good. It didn't work out, man. And so he had plans, and he thought that this is how God was going to use him, and that's the very platform that God would grant him in life, but that is not the platform God, God gave him. But you know what? God has done such amazing things in and through this brother in Christ that's so much bigger than football could have ever given him, so much bigger than baseball could have ever given him. I think about the Tim Tebow Foundation. You know what their theme is right there on their website, why they exist? Here's their purpose as Tim Tebow Foundation. It says that we are called to fight for the world's most vulnerable people through four main areas. Anti-human trafficking and child exploitation. Orphan care and prevention profound medical needs and special needs ministry. You see, Tebow had no idea how God was going to use him to accomplish these things. And yes, football didn't work out, but now he's full-time working within this foundation, making a difference in people's lives. And I share that with you simply to say this, you, brother and sister, have no idea what God can do in and through your life. You may have your own plans, and they may be pretty cool. And maybe that's exactly what you end up doing because God says, yes, this is where we're headed. But maybe, maybe you have plans that are not necessarily God's purpose for your life. When you pray this verse, you are praying a prayer of surrender. And you're saying, God, you work all things together for your good purpose. For those that love God are called according to your purpose. So that's my encouragement for you. As you lay this verse before you, remember this truth. God's purpose, God's plan, not mine. Here's the last thing. We've talked about 
how uh, it's important for us to know that it's all for our good somehow, some way, even when it doesn't feel good. It's important for us to know that it's about God's purpose and plan, not necessarily ours. And here's the very last thing. God works in everyday things, not just the monumental moments. What does this mean? Well, when Paul says all things, he doesn't just mean those big pivotal things that take place in your life. He means everything, everything. Like, here, here's an easy exercise. On the count of three, take a really deep breath. One, two, three. Let it out. Man, that feels good, right? So I'm not trying to be like overly charismatic when I do that. I'm trying to teach a lesson and saying right now in that very moment when you breathe in, you can picture that in this moment, God has a purpose. My heart is beating right now. God has me in this pew at Apex Baptist in this seat because he has a purpose. <laughs> like he's somehow working things together that I cannot even see. As he says earlier in Romans 8, hope is not in what you can see. Hope is what's around the corner that you can't see. God is orchestrating something far greater than you could ever imagine. And he's at work not just in the big things, but in the everyday things. Consider this, God can use the ordinary moments of life to glorify himself by conforming us into the image of his son. And this is precisely what he intends to do. So whether you're cutting the grass or doing the dishes or going for a walk or whatever it is, man, you can do it to the glory of God and you can know that God is at work and you lay your life before him and say, God, I just want to give you glory, whatever it looks like. So pay attention to those moments. Pay attention to those impromptu meetings that you have. Pay attention to those conversations that you have with your family members. Pay attention to those conversations that God grants you at work. Pay attention because God is at work. God is at work for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now I think about, I normally wouldn't share this, but I think about something that happened yesterday after the back to school event. I'm headed home and we went home and kind of, you know, settled for a little while and then we went out to get ice cream and as we go out, we run into this individual who is in need. And I'm with the two girls, uh, three kids, and two, you know, two of them are girls. I'm with my two girls, and we walk by this individual, and I just felt the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit to, to inquire of what's going on. And so I asked this gentleman, I said, man, um, is there anything I can help you with? He said, well, yeah, I need some money. I'm a little bit short. I said, well, what you need money for? He said, well, I'm going to be truthful with you. He said, I'm an alcoholic, and I'm, I'm looking for another drink. <laughs> I said, well, number one, I appreciate your honesty. I said, number two, you ain't getting it. You know, I don't give money to anybody, really. I said, but I'll help you meet a need. Is there anything else I can do for you? Hungry, are you thirsty? And he said, man, I, I could use that. So I go into a store and I go get him some stuff and my daughters come with me and we go out and we give them these things and then we pray over them. And I notice after the prayer, my middle daughter, Kara, she's just crying and, and she says, Daddy, to me, this is just a sweet, sweet moment because I, I just feel so sorry for that man. And, and it's like the compassion of the Lord was just on her in that moment. And we get back in the car and, and River Joy, she's like, well, Daddy, where's this guy gonna go? Where, you know, what's gonna happen to him? What, you know, wh what's his story? She's just inquisitive. She wants to know she's young. She's trying to figure it out. And, and then Zane, who's already in the truck, apparently he didn't wanna be a part of this ministry moment, but he's sitting in the truck, just joking. But he's in the truck, he's in the truck and, and he's saying, Dad, did you see what that dude did? I'm like, what, what you mean? Oh, he's going back in the store, man. I think he's taking what you bought him and trying to get some money back to get what he really wants. 
I'm like, yeah. He's like, Dad, does that frustrate you? And so all of a sudden, like, I'm feeling all of those frustrations, and it's all welling up in me. And, and at that moment, I hear all three kids just talking. Karis is still crying. She has compassion. River Joy, what's he going to do? Zane, aren't you mad? And I'm like, oh, man, here's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for me to teach Karis how important it is to have compassion and to have the heart that she has for people. It's important for me to teach River Joy how important it is to realize that there are people who are in need. And we have to step up and we have to help when, when it's appropriate and right and good for us to do so. And it's important to teach Zane, hey, in this moment, bro, yeah, those things do make me mad. But I'm not responsible for what he does. I'm responsible for what I sense the Lord leading me to do. And maybe he's planting a seed in that, that brother's life. And I pray that that's exactly what's happening. But in my brain, and I did not articulate this, in my brain, I'm thinking... What a moment where God is at work in the life of our little family. What a moment where God is just at work in our midst and doing something neat within us. And so I thought about, because I knew I was preaching this. I, I, don't, I don't just stand up here and preach on Sunday morning. Uh, I prepare, and so I knew what I was going to say around this particular subject of God being at work in all things. And I was reminded this is an all things moment where God's doing something that's greater that I can even really know, but maybe that's a stamped moment in that guy's life. Maybe it's a stamped moment in the life of my family. And I probably wouldn't have thought about that otherwise. We all have these types of encounters and we just kind of go through them and, and we don't think about them anymore. But God's at work, man. And I want you to think about that in your marriage, in your struggles, in your difficulties. You know, my wife and I had this conversation earlier this week. We had a weird week. And in comparison to struggles that other people have, it was just not a big deal at all. But it was a strange week for us, just some, some crazy things that happened. And, um, you know, we were not anticipating them. And you, you, you rarely are anticipating these, these weird things that happen. But there were some tears and some struggles this week within our family. And, and as we process and we think through this, it's just a reminder, go back that God, to this truth that God is at work. And as one author, author rightly said, hey, even when you think about the ordinances that, that God has given us with baptism and communion, every time you eat something, you can be reminded of the bread of life. Every time you take a shower, you can just be reminded, not that that's doing any cleansing work spiritually in you, but you can be reminded of what God has done, how God has cleansed you from the inside out in that picture of water baptism. You can be reminded of what God has done. Point being that Jesus shows us that if we lift our gaze to him, we realize every stinking day provides opportunities for praise. Every day every day. And so that's where I want to draw your focus. That's where I want to draw your attention. As we uh, get ready to land the plane and spend some time uh, in communion, and then Brother Joe's going to close this out, I want you to, first of all, raise your hand. If you did not get one of these, we have ushers that are prepared to bring them to you. Balcony on the lower floor, just raise your hand. We'll make sure to get you some. But as we partake in communion, I want to remind you of this symbol. This, this is a corporate symbol of our relationship to, to Christ. Baptism is an individual symbol of that. This is a corporate symbol of that. And we as Apex Baptist Church, we have communion once a month because the word says that we should do this often. And so it's intentional for us. We want to gather and remember the body of Jesus that was freely given, the blood of Jesus that was shed. And in the communion time today, we want to thank God for his grace in our life. We want to be thankful that we've been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And we also want to do this, and I want to encourage you in this. And this is for the believer, for the believer. I want to encourage you in this. If you've been struggling, 
to know that, man, God's at work, even in some of the storms, even in some of the winds of life. I want to encourage you to partake in communion with a heart of thanksgiving, knowing that even in this storm, Romans 8, 28 reminds us that we are in an incredibly stable and strong structure that can withstand any storm. And God is somehow using whatever it is that you're going through for your good. Doesn't mean that what you're going through is good. It means that God is redeeming it and he's using it somehow, some way. So if you're here and a believer, this is for you. If you're a believer, the Bible does give one caveat. If you have habitual, perpetual sin in your life that you've not repented of and you're just kind of continuing in, the Bible says just set this aside and spend time doing business with God, meaning you're just going to ask the Lord to forgive you and turn from that sin and turn towards him. If you're not a follower of Christ, this is for the church, this is for the believer, but it's an incredible opportunity for you um, to watch what's happening as we as a church celebrate with joy in our hearts what Christ has done on the cross for our redemption. We have been carried to the table and we are before the Lord's table able uh, to, to celebrate this time together. So here's what the word says. If you want to take that first piece of plastic off the top of um, the elements there, the word says this in 1 Corinthians 11, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. the same way he also took the cup after supper saying this cup it's a new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Brother and sister, be encouraged today. I pray that God has lifted your soul in this singular verse. And I pray that you walk out of here with your head lifted high, knowing that you may not be in the place of life where you had hoped you'd, you would be. Maybe you're walking through some difficulty, some trials, some hardship. Lift your head because you have one who understands and knows and who is redeeming every moment. Trust that he has a good purpose and a good plan and it's for your good. And pay attention to every moment in life because he is at work and there are many opportunities to praise him. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the truth of your word. And God, I pray that as we sing this last song that we will sing with hearts of praise. God, um, calling out to the reality of our need for you. God, help us in those days that are so difficult. I know it's easy um, for us to say these things, but when life is hard, it becomes uh, more trying, more difficult, and that's why we need one another. We need you. So God, help us to completely trust in you. And we pray all of this in the powerful and mighty name of King Jesus and all God's people said, amen.